When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're on to New Orleans as the Indianapolis Colts welcome in the New Orleans Saints to Lucas Oil Stadium here in week eight. So what do the Colts need to do in order to get back on track and get a W at home? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fad Nation on SI.com, part of the Fad's First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always by my fellow writer, co-host, and analyst of the Horseshoe Huddle podcast, Drake Wally, who just had a birthday on Wednesday, so happy birthday to him. Guys, if you haven't told him happy birthday yet, please do so in the chat, but Drake, uh, both these teams coming off of a loss, coming off of a of a dramatic loss, I would say. Both teams sit at three and four. This could be a chance for for them to get back on track. So I think both teams are taking this very seriously. But how are you doing, buddy? Doing really good, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that. Uh, um, well, actually, one more thing. I feel super old. Uh, 30, <laughs> 33 for some reason. It feels different, but um, I, I it was a wonderful birthday. So thank you so much. Um, but yeah, man, they both have three and four record. You know, they're, they're both kind of like at a, at a point in the season where they're like, you know, what are we doing from here on out? You know, this is a bigger game than it seems like the Colts really would look a lot better with a four and four record instead of a three and five record and same for the Saints. So there's a lot to play for here for both of these teams. And, um, I think it could end up, uh, being a closer game than some think. And I think that there is a chance where both defenses stand tall and it becomes a little bit of a defensive slugfest too exactly we're already got the super chats flowing in the the chat is ready to go oh, this evening first one of the night is true with the super sticker uh true it says hi andrew and drake i haven't forgot about your special day true it's right there on there as well so really appreciate the uh the super sticker from you brandon moses coming in with the 99 cent super Fine. sticker and guess what we're, we're going to shout out Brandon Moses because he will become a father tomorrow. Uh, him and his beautiful wife, Paige, uh, giving birth to twins. So Paige is a superhero uh, for, for being <laughs> able to do that. And, and I know that both of them are going to make fantastic parents. He goes, there you go. Uh, celebrate two more Moses in the world tomorrow. I did it wrong. I know. Hey, it's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> Appreciate it, Brandon. And hey, good luck to good luck to Paige tomorrow. Be, be the best supporter you can of her because you're not going to do anything. Uh, but can't, can't wait to see uh, both your girls uh, here with here very soon so congratulations to you both my beautiful wife danielle with her nightly super sticker as well getting this off to a hot start uh she's 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 actually out of town uh at a teacher's conference so it's just been me and our dog cooper kind of just hanging out at the house getting a little bachelor a half bachelor week so but thank you for supporting uh as you always do and can't wait to see you back home tomorrow logan schmidt is also in the house the legend himself stats matt did i see a 
a Brandon Moses super chat? I know, very rare, but but hey, uh, he Brandon Moses is in the chat. So we're going to talk all about Colt Saints tonight and, and cover it from, from all different angles. So if you haven't done so, please go ahead and follow us on social media. Go ahead and like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook. Follow at Colts on FN on X and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live, whenever Shad goes live with the Saddle Up show. Uh, uh, and so that way we can continue to grow the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube. We're still closing in on that 2,000 subscriber mark. So if you haven't done so, please uh, subscribe. And if you can't catch us live, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review. Stephanie Graver on the, the way to Hooters. She is also there with my wife. Uh, hey, go go smash on some wings. Watch some football. There listen, listen to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast. Hooters is the way Love to it. go. But, Drake, let's, let's dive right into it here, buddy. Colts. One-point dogs against the Saints here this weekend at Lucas Oil Stadium. So Vegas is pretty much call, calling it a toss-up. And the way these two teams have been going, uh, I mean, both teams are three and five. Uh, both teams ha- seem to have one side of the ball playing quite a bit better than the other side of the ball. So it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. And, and I think really where both, a t- both teams sit currently – whoever wins this contest could really give them some momentum and, and change the trajectory of their season. Yeah. And especially uh, for the saints, I think that they're coming off of a couple or no, that yeah, I think they are coming off of consecutive losses, if I'm not mistaken. Um, regardless, like they, 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 you know, really started to slide once they let up that massive lead to green Bay and then their season started to kind of tilt a little bit. And for the Colts, it's been the same type of, you know, rollout like as the saints, but in a different way with Gardner Minshew kind of falling off the the hill here, you know, with his turnovers. And so this is, this is a couple of teams that desperately need to get a win. Like we said uh, before we kind of kicked off the show, it's one of those things where whoever's going to get this, this win ends up going four and four. It's a lot better than three and five. And historically when a team is three and five, they really don't have the best odds to, you know, finish so, you know, strong for the rest of the nine weeks and, you know, kind of get into the playoffs when you're already down that many games. And you already touched on it here is, is for at least on the Colts side of things, a lot of the, the, both the past couple losses could probably be attributed to the Colts, not being able to, to, to take care of the football. And that really lands solely on Gardner Minshew, eight turnovers in the past two games. So Drake, I'm going to ask you this just point blank. Do you think Minshew turns it around here this weekend against New Orleans, or are we going to see those turnover problems kind of rear their ugly heads once again? His big thing, as we've talked about, is fumbling the ball. I think that the glaring stat is 27 fumbles and 27 starts, okay? He's far less, like you mentioned in our last episode, you're not as worried about his interceptions. So I think as long as he just doesn't fumble the football, he'll probably be okay. I just don't see him having a bad performance for a third straight game. I think that the Colts have a better opportunity this time to get the run game going which is going to help him. I mean, they did what they did with Taylor and Moss, both getting 18 carries, 132 total yards between the two against the Browns. They can do that against the Saints. The Saints are nowhere near the Browns' defense against the run. So they're more middle of the pack. So I I think that Minshew has a good opportunity here to bounce back, 
But like we've said before, I do think you got to have a balanced approach. You can't ask him to do too much, and you get that balanced approach from starting the ground game early and establishing that tone as the game goes along. Yeah, the Colts just can't play from behind. I think no. that's that's what's gotten them into so much trouble these past couple of weeks is trying to play from behind and having to rely on Gardner Minshew to get you back into the game, and that just hasn't been that hasn't been productive, you know. And and the Saints see this. The Saints see the turnover issues that Gardner Minshew has had over the past two games, whether it's when he's under pressure, getting after him. They they see that that he's having a hard time holding on to that football. So anytime a Saints defender gets close to Gardner Minshew in that pocket, you can expect them to be punching at that football, trying to whack that football out of his grasp to, to try to get turnovers. And the Colts offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, talked about it this week that they've really put a focus on, on Gardner Minshew trying to protect the football in practice this week. You know, they, they know that it's a problem. Gardner knows that it's a problem. But until it gets fixed, teams are really going to try to key in on that because that's just, just who Gardner Minshew is at the moment. Is He's a guy that, that if you put pressure on him, he will turn the ball over. So that's, that's something that the Colts are really going to have to have to try to work through and and Gardner Minshew specifically has to hold on to that football when he's when he's under pressure because I mean we've seen when he's not trying to force the ball down the field and he gets good pass protection he can he can make it dink and dunk it all the way down the field and 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 be patient deliver accurate footballs but that, that pressure as soon as that pocket collapses man you're just kind of almost waiting for that fumble to happen yeah, and it's been his weakness is identifying those blitzes and just avoiding blitzes. Um, you know, going back to the Baltimore Ravens game where a safety, Kyle Hamilton had three sacks on him. Um, but it, it's really interesting because last year Matt Ryan had the issue with the fumbles. And now, you know, we're seeing a guy like Gardner Minshew. And I have a question for you. Do you think that it's just a fumbling issue for a quarterback? Is it just a case of you're trying to do too much and you're not pulling the ball and protecting it uh, quick enough and you're just trying to, to do too much with the play? Or is it just – bad fundamentals and you just you know not as good as others i guess at holding on to the to the football when you're hit I think it's I think it's a lot of times a case by case basis. I mean, because you do see some quarterbacks who are trying to escape and they're only holding it with one hand. You're you're taught as a quarterback to to keep both hands on that football really at all times, especially when you're in the pocket. So I mean, obviously you don't want to squeeze too tight of that football because then it, when you squeeze too tight on that football, then it can actually make it easier for for a defender to to get it out. But you you don't want to get the football too far away from your body. You, you you want to hold it tight close to your chest that's a lot of times when when teaching those fundamentals because you don't you don't want the quarterback to hold the ball way up here you don't want it to, to hold it out away from their body hold it with just one hand it's really close in the center of your chest and 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 keep both hands on it at all times so i'm sure they did that even though it's it's a it's going to be inside at lucas oil stadium this weekend i'm sure they practice with some wet balls just to kind of try to make sure gardner Minshew has that full that full sense of grip on the football but again, it, it and it could be a strength issue as well. So it just it just really all depends uh, on the quarterback. But I think for Gardner Minshew specifically, we've seen him have both hands on the football. He definitely, I think, could hold the football a little bit closer to his body. Uh, but a lot of times, it's just it seems like a lack of a lack of focus almost because when the pocket is collapsing, he's trying to figure out where to go and get rid of it. And he's not really thinking about protecting the football. That's at least what I have seen on film uh, as with, as 
since Gardner Minshew has been a member of the Colts. We have another super chat this night from the CFO himself, Patrick Rye. Uh, Patrick with a, a legendary $5 super chat says, just got here, so might as well drop this now for open bars, diapers, Mrs. Moore's next road trip, and happy birthday to Drake. We're not going to say you. Patrick's uh, comment after this one uh, because he's he's become a menace again. But, hey, Patrick, we really, really do appreciate all of your support, buddy, uh, as Drake sees Patrick's comment there. Very in the nice. Chat. Uh, really appreciate all your support, buddy. You, you make our nights uh, every Monday and Thursday nights here. So, so Drake, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about this running game. Obviously, the, 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 the Cleveland Browns had the number one rush defense or, or close to the top of, of being a rush defense in the NFL. Didn't matter. The Colts with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss really put it to them. 120-some yards, but just between those two last week against the Browns. And as you said, uh, uh, the 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 Saints' run defense, is it's not terrible by any means, but it's more about middle of the pack. You know, uh, and I, I think you you even talked about this in in your piece that you wrote for Horseshoe Huddle today. That that that's a that's an area that the Colts could really take advantage, especially with Jonathan Taylor getting back into the the thick of things, and and Zach Moss is still second in the NFL in rushing yards. Yeah, and I think you also it's not just that you have an opportunity because they're not as good as the Browns were against the the run. Uh, or with run defense, it's also that they're so good at pass defense that you need to actually probably run the ball, you know, especially with a guy like Minshew who isn't the the vertical thrower. He's not the the rollout passer or the mobile guy that can really, you know, move a defensive secondary. They're going to have to run the ball to bring him in. So then you can allow bigger shots down the field. And I think I think that you're just going to see such a heavy emphasis on the run. I think that you might see more of what you saw with Minshew's 23. I think he had 23 attempts in that game against the Browns. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a similar amount there. I think that they're going to try to do something similar with Taylor, similar with Moss, where you get both of these guys between, I'd say, 10 and 20 carries. It was on the higher end of that. I don't know if it's going to be 18 and 18. It's probably going to be more Taylor than Moss this time, but rest assured, Zach Moss has established himself as, as a piece of this offense. So yeah, man, I think that you, you almost have to get the ground game going. Cause that, oof, that, uh, Saints secondary, they bring it and they've got good linebackers. They've got, you know, Carl Granderson too, a great pass rusher, um, that could get to Minshew. Uh, if, if Smith doesn't play and Freeland does, you'll, you'll see Freeland lined up with Jordan. You'll see him lined up with Granderson. I think you just got to get that ground game going to give Minshew a chance to, to beat that really good pass defense. Cam Jordan's the one I'm worried about because yeah. we've seen Cam Jordan just absolutely wreck games before. Stats Matt says the Saints defense is fourth in passing yards allowed and twelfth in rush yards allowed. So definitely quite a discrepancy. They they are pretty good against the pass, but again, if the Colts want to establish the run game and the run game has been working, I mean they it certainly worked last week against the Browns. Shane Steichen and, and I, I want to credit Zach Hicks for for bringing this up in in one of his pieces uh, just on the Colts running game. You know. For most of the season, the Colts have been an inside zone running team. And more recently, Shane Steichen has been using outside runs, you know, switching things up uh, to try to help this, this running game not only get going, but, but to not be so predictable on offense as well. Jonathan Taylor last week, 18 carries for 75 yards. Zach Moss, I think, had 18 carries for 57 yards. They were just they they weren't they weren't huge games by any means, but altogether, you're still just moving the offense down the field. And and I think they're they could there's 
both of these guys could have much better, much more success against the Saints defense than than what they did against Cleveland last week. There's going to be opportunities there for the Colts to run the football, and and we we all know that that Dennis Allen usually tries to use an aggressive defense. If he if he becomes too aggressive at the right time. We know Jonathan Taylor can certainly hit that home run, and we've seen already this season that Zach Moss can get a, can hit a home run too. So uh, I honestly expect another heavy dose of this two-headed monster. Now, Zach Moss has been on the injury report this week. He was a limited participant in practice today, which if that means anything, maybe it's Jonathan Taylor's time. Maybe it's finally time for him to be that bell cow back this season. Again, his fourth game back after after getting activated off the pup list but if the Colts are going to win this game I really believe it's going to have to be on the back of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss yeah and you know to kind of go back to if if Smith doesn't play because I know that he's still questionable mm-hmm. uh, Blake Freeland's strength is is run blocking in mm-hmm. fact he I mean he's actually a pretty nasty run blocker for a tackle so I think that him on the right side that's going to give him an opportunity that's the run blocking side whereas the left t- well at least the you know, outside of Tua Tagovailoa, the left side is the pass blocking side. So I think that that gives Freeland a chance to really hit some outside runs hard and hit some second level players. And hey, like you said, if Dennis Allen is too, if he's too aggressive, especially with Jonathan Taylor, boy, that could just be, you know, be the end of, of any sort of defensive game plan if you let him hit a home run. Blake Freeland so far, and and he's I think he started the past three games for the Colts. Yeah. And he has gone up against, uh, uh, He's gone up against Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Josh Allen, three of the best pass rushers in the game. And now he's going to face Cam Jordan. Talk about baptism by fire, you know, just throwing him out there to the wolves and saying, hey, take your lumps and i mean it's it's good for him in the long run you know going up against this stiff competition he's gonna take he's gonna go through his ups and downs but he seems to be getting his feet underneath him he isn't playing i wouldn't say he's playing at a starters level quite yet but you can see him getting better with with each game as as it passes so um but then there's the talk i mean the the colts still will have to throw to win this game you know they can't just run it 60 times with their with their two running backs and expect to come out on top they're gonna have to make some plays through the air against this fourth ranked uh passing defense for the new orleans saints and drake i want to talk about a guy that that did that made some uh made some headlines with with his comments this week uh uh michael pittman jr uh, and his comments to Nate Atkins, our, our friend at the Indy Star, talking about after the game, he said, you know, maybe I'm just not a big part of this offense. Uh, well, when he on, on Wednesday, when the, when the Colts players met with the media again, I want to commend Michael Pittman Jr. for this because Pittman was not required to talk to the media that day. He could have just not said anything and said, you know, I don't really care what the media is saying. I don't care what the headline is. I want to give Pittman some credit. He He came to his locker. He wanted the media to come over so he could clarify things. And and basically what he said was, you know, I'm a terrible loser. I've been a terrible loser my whole life. It was just heated. I was dramatic in the moment, and I did not mean what I said. I know my worth here in Indy for this offense, for this team, and how uh, how everyone feels about me, um, and then that he loves Indy. And honestly, I thought that was pretty big of him because a lot of, a lot of other wide receivers, um, especially the ones that you would consider being diva wide receivers, would not do that. 
and and Michael Pittman came out. He owned it. He said, you know, I shouldn't have said it. I didn't mean it. And and I want to make sure this is right. So credit to Michael Pittman Jr. for doing that. And and for for really stepping up as a leader and and showing, you know, uh, it just uh, this wasn't right what I said, and I want to make it right. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about how the game ended, how it played out, you know, and the fact that you look at his stat line, the yards are fantastic. And they had like 80 something uh, receiving 83 yards. yards. Off, mm-hmm. Yeah. Off of most of it off of that 75 yard uh, bomb. Uh, but look, he only had two catches on the game. I think he was targeted five times. He That's only 40 percent. Not his best performance. The team also lost the team also. And now we know it's for a fact got kind of robbed, uh, you know, of, of a victory. And don't get me started, Drake. Don't, oh, no, don't get I know. me started again. <laughs> we can, we can, we can kind of do a quick pit stop and hop off of that one. But look, all of those factors put in. This is a dude who was willing to throw up the peace sign and probably get fined and get penalized. He is an emotional dude. When he runs, he runs with purpose to run over people. He's a unique type of receiver, unique personality. And I think that against what some writers said that he was arrogant, you know, he was just you know laughing at himself and stuff. Whatever, you know. Write it, blow it out there. If if you want to get some views, go for it. But Michael Pittman's the the real deal. I think he does get that contract that he he deserves, whether it's an extension or whether it's next season. He's going to be a Colt. I mean, you can tell he's bought into the to the system, and I think he likes Shane Steichen a lot, and vice versa too. So um, credit to Pittman for coming in front of the camera and addressing everything. And like you said, he wasn't required to do that, and he did it anyway. Yeah, and now now transitioning to the game on Sunday. Honestly, I, I think I think this is, lines up for a really big game from Michael Pittman Jr. I, I really do. Um, I, I think he's he's a little bit pissed. I mean, obviously he's pissed off. He was pissed off about losing two straight. He's he's upset that that he wasn't able to make a bigger impact on on, on offense last week. And I think you're. I think that's this is just what Pittman needs. Now, am I expecting like a, a 175 yard performance out of Pittman? Probably not, because we have to remember Gardner Minshew is still throwing him the football. But it would not. It would not surprise me at all if Pittman goes for over 100 yards, gets another 10 catches, and and gets a touchdown. You know, leading this Colts team and receiving to show. You know, I'm still the top dog here, and and. I, I meant what I said. I can do a, a I can have a bigger role in this offense and 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 almost have a bigger impact, you know. But but at the same time, he's not saying, you know, I I'm not involved in this offense. And I can also see uh, Shane Steichen trying to get him more involved early, trying to get him more a part of the game plan to start out to to just keep other keep the team on notice, you know, uh, and the, the team. I mean, the Saints on notice that we, we've got a dog here as, a, as our top wide receiver. So in my opinion, I, I, I just have this feeling that Pittman could be in line for a really big game on Sunday and, and give the Saints defense uh, some fits. Yeah, and the the only concern is like if Marshawn Lattimore, who is still a an absolute, I mean he's an absolutely phenomenal cornerback. If he's draped over Pittman, that could be a little bit tougher. Um, but I think that a couple of things. I think that Josh Downs established himself as a as a problematic type of receiver to deal with. I mean he's starting to really catch a lot of volume in these games and just had a career game already last week where he had over 100 yards receiving. So I think the Saints have to address him. I still think that even though it was kind of a rough game for the tight ends, even still minus Jelani Woods, it's a talented group. You have to address them. And then I even put it in uh, my piece about the three things the offense has to do to win. 
against the Saints. One of those things is you, Alec Pierce needs to finally have a big play in this game. It can't all be downs. It can't all be Pittman. Rest assured, Allen is going to be ready for those two. I think that's why Alec Pierce really needs to do something big. Maybe he gets that first touchdown of the year. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, however it's done, whether someone else steps up and he opens up later or he opens up right out of the gate, I think Michael Pittman's due for a big game, and I think he's going to prove it on Sunday. And, and yeah, there is Marshawn Lattimore on the other side of things. But, uh, honestly, Marshawn Lattimore is not going to follow Michael Pittman all over the field. They're really a lot of teams. Most teams don't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm sure Pittman and Lattimore are going to be matched up on, with each other on a few plays. But you can move Pittman around. Pittman doesn't just stay. Gone are the days where, like, in, in the mid-2000s, where you always had Marvin Harrison on the right, Reggie Wayne on the left. These wide receivers move around quite a bit. And, and Pittman is out wide. Pittman's in the slot. Uh, they really move Michael Pittman all over the place to, uh, in, in Shane Steichen's offense. So, And and when I, I was talking to some to the guys over at the Dome Patrol podcast, uh, our, our New Orleans Saints affiliate on the Fans for Sports Network, they told talked about that it, on that defense i mean they've got marshawn Lattimore, but if you really want to hurt this saints defense it's in the slot so that could be another big day from josh downs in the slot but or if they they want to put michael pittman in the slot in certain situations i mean good luck there so the saints are really hurting in that nickel spot right now and that that could be where we see the colts really attack on the offensive side of the ball at least through the air yeah, I, I I see that happening more realistically than anything else, given that Minshew, the best way you get him going is not just with a ground attack, but mm -hmm. it's also with those short death by a thousand paper cut type throws where you can just inch the ball down the field and then the defense comes up and then he can actually hit some of those throws when he's got a little more space to throw it downfield. Now let's move to the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball, Drake, uh, and, a, and a guy that has traditionally given the Colts issues uh, over the past few seasons, Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr is now with the New Orleans Saints, and it's been a rocky start to the Derek Carr era uh, there down there in New Orleans. Certainly hasn't. Uh, uh, been as advertised and and i think i really haven't been able to watch the saints too much this season uh because usually they're on when when i'm down in indy uh covering the colts games but you're you're when you're talking about what we saw at least last weekend uh with Derek carr uh uh on i think it was monday night that he that he played just was not it seems like there's a lot of frustration with with Derek Carr there or was it Thursday night either way primetime game when Derek Carr was going up last week just a lot of frustration um with his with his with his offense with his offensive coordinator with his receivers not being on the same page things don't look good there uh, uh in in New Orleans and I think one way to to continue that trend for this Colts team for this Colts defense get pressure on Derek Carr that's a very easy way to get this man rattled. Yeah, and we've talked about how, you know, obviously every quarterback struggles with pressure, but it's a spectrum. It's like certain quarterbacks just make those beautiful throws when they're getting hit. Other guys 
are just far like they fall off a cliff in efficiency when that pressure comes car is on the 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 lower end of this okay like he is efficient he can make those downfield throws he's got a better arm than people think he's incredibly accurate very smart but man you get that pressure on him he's not just a different quarterback he's a far worse quarterback in my opinion and it was last season no it was uh 2021 when the colts ended up losing that game uh, mm-hmm. against against um, uh, the Raiders. Carr still threw two interceptions in that game, and it was because they got pressure on him. So he's going to give you the ball if you if you get to him. So I think that the defensive ends need to have a big game. I, I think that especially without Johnson, if he you know if he's not going to go, I think that you have to think about the interior here. I think Taven Bryan, who's a pass rushing specialist, he could have a big game. Do we see Lewis and Odangbo potentially on the interior? I, I just think that Gus Bradley is his number one priority is get to Derek Carr and force force mistakes. Right. And and currently the 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 Saints are tied uh with I think tied for I think it's fifth in the NFL in sacks allowed with with 20. So you can you can definitely get some pressure on, on Derek Carr, you know, and, and that's that's gonna be the best thing for this Colts defense to to force him into some mistakes. You know, if you let Derek Carr sit back there in the pocket all day, he is a veteran quarterback that can that can take the underneath and and really pick you apart. You have to get pressure right up in his face. Can't let him get comfortable in the pocket, make it a muddy pocket. And, and this is where guys like Samson Ebicom and, and Quiddy Pay really need to step up. Samson Ebicom, you you hardly heard his name last week against the Browns. Uh, Quiddy Pay was making quite a few tackles in the running game, but didn't really see too much pressure on Deshaun Watson or, or PJ Walker. You need both these guys to get back there, really get into Derek Carr's face and, and make him get rid of the football before he's ready. Would love to see another Quiddy Pay sack who got off to a really fast start, but again, he had that concussion, missed the game, and now it's like he's trying to ramp things up all over again. Quiddy Pay really needs to make a force and then start getting pressure on the quarterback at a more consistent rate. And that's the look, they still have good pass catchers. All right. They still have Chris Olave. They still have Michael Thomas and uh, Rashid Shahid has shown ability to play really well. Alvin Kamara is back and he's one of the still one of the best pass catching backs in the league. So Derek Carr, the problem with the Saints offense, and I hate to say this right now, but it's Derek Carr. And it's, it's the blocking. It's the pass blocking. They've got weapons. They just don't have the blocking for him to get the ball to them. So if the Colts can continue to get that pressure, those weapons won't matter as much. That's a perfect segue into our next topic is how are the Colts defense, how is this Colts defense really going to contain the pass catchers that the New Orleans Saints have? You know, they've, they've, you've just mentioned it, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, all of these Rashid Shahid, all of these guys are really good pass catchers and, and do a really good job of getting open as well. So with the, with the Colts secondary that likely will be down Juju Brents, still they're they're not going to have dallas flowers it could be the starting it could be jalen jones and daryl baker jr starting again at that out those outside corner positions with kenny moore in the slot so how how do you think the colts are going to do being able to contain all these pass catchers that that the saints have oh man uh i think that the slot i think the slot uh, corner position is going to be fine obviously kenny moore is playing out of his freaking mind Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not as worried about Jalen Jones. I think Jalen Jones has so much room to grow. He's obviously still inexperienced and he's still a rookie, but man, he just has a dog in him. He's got, he's a physical corner. He's going to come and constantly be hitting you until the end of the game. He's just, he's always in your face and he's never going to go away. But my concern is Daryl Baker Jr. I, I, I understand that there was a time when we were talking in training camp about how he had ascended and he really did come out of nowhere, but now we're seeing bad, badly missed tackles we're seeing blown coverage we're seeing uh you know penalties despite i understand what happened in the browns game but you've seen penalties with him also in other games and just just not being able to stay in sync with the rest of the defense and i think that olave thomas shahid uh, i know that foster moreau and johnson really aren't the, the the premier tight end duo in the nfl but anybody can make him pay and i think that i think daryl baker jr needs to show that he's worthy of a spot on an NFL roster. He needs to play well in this game or else I think you're going to see the Saints offense move the ball wherever he's at. They're going to start to track him. They'll throw the ball to the receivers that he's covering if he's not going to cover him well. Thoughts and prayers in the chat for Stats Matt. Nothing like getting pulled over while listening <laughs> to you guys. Damn it, Stats Matt. That's, that's just rough, buddy. That's rough. And hey, if, if you still have us on, uh, please, officer, give him a break. Give Stats and subscribe, officer, to, subscribe. to the show. Subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast. Oh. We'll get you right, buddy. Uh, but give Stats Matt the third co host. Hey, no ticket. So all good. There we go. Stats Matt off the hook. All thanks to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast. Podcast. you heard it here first so uh good to see the stats matt is able to to keep going i was about to see if i could find the the cops theme song uh, that i was gonna have to play for for good old stats matt there but yeah drake daryl baker jr and and honestly i i mean i wrote a whole article about how well he how good he looked in in training camp daryl baker jr was playing out of his out of his mind he looked you know, really he, good he looked good yeah. he was physical uh he was sticky to those wide receivers and coverage and it just it has not translated to to the in to the to the regular season for for daryl baker jr and and i mean to go from being the top starter uh, on the outside to now like cornerback five and, and fans are kind of groaning when they see you come in the game. Uh, it's bad. So, I mean, it's the Colts are just going to have to kind of work around those, those sorts of things, you know, they're going to, and, and Daryl Baker jr. Was, I know he caught a lot of flack uh, this past week because those, those, both those calls were against him the calls that never should have been made in the first place. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that's going to give Daryl Baker Jr. It's going to give him some extra motivation to come back out there and, and, and really try to, to dominate uh, and, and, and show the world that, you know, that was a flute game. Uh, I'm better this than, than this and I can play better than this, but if I'm the saints, that's, that's probably who I'm going after. Uh, so whether it's Chris Olave or, or Michael Thomas on that side, I mean, Daryl Baker Jr. I think is going to have to go out there and prove that the Saints can't throw on him because the Saints are probably going to target him every chance they get until he steps up and shows, you know, this isn't just going to be pick on me all day. You know, I'm going to put up a fight and, and you're not just going to do this on me. So uh, can he do that? I'm not exactly sure, but I think if he I think that could be one of the keys to the game 
you know, and, and if he is consistently giving up yards, then it might be time to put Kenny Moore over there on that outside, bring Nick Cross into the slot, uh, something like that. So it, it'll be interesting to see how everything goes on Sunday. But but Drake, give me your X factor. Who is the guy this week is that's going to make the difference in whether the Colts win or they lose uh, their third straight game? Gosh, I, I was so torn on on uh, two different guys. That I'm just going to make them into one. Uh, it's it's both Samson Ebicom and Quiddy Pay, and I think that they real, especially Ebicom, they need to get to Derek Carr. All right, don't get me wrong. I understand the interior pressure has been able to happen all season for the Colts. Well, they don't have Grover Stewart. Okay, so it's going to be different. You're going to get more of a speed rush from Taven Bryan. And if the aforementioned Lewis and Odangbo rotate in, that's more of a power rush. So it's not the same. I think that these defensive ends need to have big games or the rotational pieces going going behind them. So uh, if both of those guys could get a sack or more, I mean, that'd be one hell of a performance and it would really help this team get that fourth win. I really like that pick. I'm going to go with Daryl Baker Jr., who we just Ooh. talked about, you know, mm. because he's going to be in that role. And and both the receivers that he's going to go up against on Sunday, very, very good wide receivers, you know, very good route runners. So he can't be fooled. He has to be able to play and, and, and have good coverage on these guys. Otherwise, Derek Carr is just going to pick on him the entire game, and especially in, in third down situations where it's going to be like third and eight, third and nine, if the Colts can get them into those, and all of a sudden it's it's like a, a slant to Michael Thomas for, for 10 or 11 yards, and it just keeps the drive going. So gonna, Colts are going to need a big game out of Daryl Baker Jr. You can't let anything deep. You 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 can't miss any tackles he's got big shoes to fill in juju brents because brents has been playing very very well as a rookie baker needs to step in kind of try to create some of that magic that he had in in training camp and and if if Baker can hold his own and and perform at at that level that we saw in training camp. I think it gives this Colts team a huge boost uh, against against the Saints. So, prediction time, Drake. Again, Week Eight, Colts Saints inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Huge game for both teams. Who you got coming out on top? I got Colts twenty seven seventeen. And okay. The I, I know I mentioned it could be a defensive slugfest, and it could because both defenses bring it. Uh, the Colts bring it through the run, and the Saints bring it uh, with pass defense. So I think that there's a chance that there could be a stalemate. But man, I, I two things: one, that ground game, I think it's going to be humming. I think that Minshew is going to have an opportunity to bounce back because of it. So I think the points will be there. Also, as we've mentioned on the show, two things: the Colts are the only team in the NFL to score 20 or more points in every single game they played this season, and they're one of the top 10 most categories offensively they're in the top 10 so i think that this is an offense that can exploit the saints run defense and uh, i also just think that there's going to be pressure put on Derek carr there's going to at least be a turnover i like this comment from nfl nerd nfl nerd says other key is which team <laughs> will the refs put their money on and hey you, you know with with what we saw last week uh that that might not be a joke so we see, yeah. see some other predictions coming in we have colt's house saying 31 to 17 colts we have uh stats matt 30 to 20 colts we have sean uh conkright saying 24 to 16 okay. greg eggleston says time for a 50 burger uh that would that would be 
wild to see inside of there. But I think all you guys are on the right side of this thing. I'm, I've picked against the Colts the past two weeks. I'm going with the Colts this week. This team is going, this team is still fired up from how they lost that game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they, they really want to, they, they, and they know they need to turn this around. You know, so that might have, I think that lit a fire into this team. And the Saints are, are, are struggling. So going up against the struggling Saints team, who's going to be on the road against this Colts team, Lucas Oil Stadium is going to be fired up. I'm going Colts 27, Saints 20. So I think they win by a touchdown, get back into the win column, and get back to four and four before they head off to Carolina to take on the, uh, the, the Panthers with former Colts head coach Frank Reich. So so Drake, let's touch on the injuries for the Colts because there's some there's some pretty big ones heading into this game against the the New Orleans Saints. But first we got to we got to give an update on QB1 Anthony Richardson. So Anthony Richardson underwent successful surgery on his uh sprained AC joint on Tuesday it was. Uh it was done by the same uh doctor that did Aaron Rodgers Achilles surgery just a couple of months ago. And Aaron uh, and from everything we've heard, Richardson is in is in great spirits. The surgery was a success, and it's and not only will is the the AC joint uh, sprain um, uh, now fixed. It, it, it has been reinforced with that surgery, so this an injury like this can never happen again for Anthony Richardson and and Drake. I think the biggest uh, maybe not surprise, but uh, the the best thing about this richardson's two days removed from surgery today was his first day of physical therapy he is already attacking rehab and and trying to get back as quickly as he can just two days after his surgery i mean that that doesn't say this kid is determined to come back uh just as good if not better than he ever has been i don't know what does yeah, and this is the same guy you mentioned, Aaron or Aaron Rodgers' injury. I mean, he's on a faster timetable to a return than they thought he was originally. So, I mean, this is a guy who knows what he's doing, and he's league renowned for for doing a very uh, you know a very great job. And so, the fact that Richardson, like you said, that's the big thing. He's already attacking rehab on his throwing shoulder. Fantastic news, and this is going to be a guy who, when he returns, that's going to be a guy who's going to be determined to set the league on fire. Right. Right. It, it's, it's, and, and all indications are now the Colts aren't going to put a timeline on it, but Shane Steichen has says that has said that Richardson should be back by the time the Colts begin spring workout. So kind of, kind of think about OTAs next year in the off season program, uh, AR five should be ready to go by then. So really good news, uh, on that front for Anthony Richardson. Let's talk about the other injuries that, that the Colts are, are looking at for this week against the saints. Now, there's four guys that have not practiced all week. Uh, we mentioned Juju Brents dealing with a quad injury, still has a practice and likely will not play against the Saints. Uh, Kylan Granson still in the concussion protocol, has not practiced yet. Um, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to play this week either. Braden Smith still out with that hip and wrist injury, so Blake Freeland will likely get the start at right tackle. And Eric Johnson, who 
really did i thought did a pretty good job filling in for grover stewart especially in the run game last week uh hurt his ankle at the end of that browns game he has not played or i'm sorry he has not practiced at all either and then zach moss the final name on this did not practice on wednesday due to an elbow and heel injury but was a limited participant in today's practice so it looks like he's trending to to be good to go on sunday but but drake here in that list who is who's the or the position or who's the guy you are most concerned the colts not having on sunday there's a couple but i i think it's kind of cliche but i have to go with it juju brents just because I understand Alvin Kamara is a is a phenomenal running back, but I think that not having a solid defensive tackle is more more of a problem for a runner like Nick Chubb, a runner like Jonathan Taylor, a runner like Derrick Henry. You know, just those real gritty guys that are going to run it right through the middle. Uh, Juju Brent's not being in that game, and Daryl Baker Jr. against the receivers that the Saints have, even though they've been struggling, they still have great weapons to use. That's concern. That's the most concerning to me. So, man, Dar- it's all on Daryl Baker Jr. I love your X factor. I think that I think that's the injury that sticks out to me the most. Right. And Wyatt Law makes a great point here. He says at least Juju hasn't landed on IR yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think if he he was going to be on IR, the Colts would have made that move already. So you can only hope that that it's only a, a one maybe two week injury for Juju Brents before he gets back onto the field. Patrick also asks a good question: What the hell is going on with Jelani Woods? Uh, Dude, <laughs> like Homer Simpson disappearing into the bushes. And and Patrick, I wish I could tell you buddy uh because that's that's kind of been a um a interesting uh question to go around uh, the colts facility is about johnny woods he hasn't played yet this year uh because he's been dealing with that hamstring injury it's going on two months now a little over two months uh since since we've seen johnny woods uh because of that hamstring the, really the only the only explanation i can give you hamstrings are tricky you know, and and I know the Colts want to make sure that that Woods is completely healthy before he comes back, because you could also think that you're you're healthy, and then one slight move and you're back to square one with hamstring injuries. Shane Steichen has said he's progressing well, and he could be on the cusp of returning here very soon. But but I think the Colts offense would love to have their six foot seven tight end back into the fold as soon as possible. Yeah, and I mean, just being such a large dude, you you also want to make sure that hamstring is good because there's so much weight that's going into pushing off on routes and you know blocking and everything else. But on top of that, man, we've seen the tight end group do well, you know, overall for the Colts without Jelani Woods. So two questions: one, how, what kind of potential could you see him go to with Jelani Woods, and who would be the odd man out? That's something I know that's kind of random, but I've been thinking about I've been thinking about that. I don't think the Colts would keep all those guys. Yeah, it'd be it'd be an interesting numbers game for sure. Uh, Let's dive into the latest Colts news and rumors, Drake, before we wrap up here tonight. Uh, We're going to start out with the big man. We're going to start out with old Jimmy from the Colts. Jim Irsay, love the man. Absolutely (laughs) love the man. Uh, Jim Irsay on Tuesday night revealed that the NFL admitted the two calls at the end of the Colts Browns contest were wrong, just like we had talked about the entire time. So, uh, a round of applause for us. Round of applause for the uh, the uh, all of us who said that you know this this was a, a crock of you know what, and and hey, good for the NF, good for the NFL for admitting it. However, 
the NFL does not like, and and I don't think it's allowed for for owners or anyone to know about this to admit this. So Jim Irsay is probably going to get fined for that. And you know what? Jim Irsay does not give a damn if he gets fined for that either. Good for Jim Irsay and 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 good for, for him making it public. And as I said, like I always do, uh, the league always wants transparency unless it doesn't benefit or or the league wants transparency if it benefits the shield and nothing else. Yeah, and hey, uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport that said it really well. He was like, you know, look, Jim Mercer is probably going to face a fine for this. You know, I, th- I think that something that's been floated floated around are like, you know, are the Colts going to lose a draft pick next year? Whatever. He, he Ian Rappaport goes, I don't think he really cares, though. And, and he's like, it's because he did that for his fans. He said, Jim Mercer interacts unlike any other owner, you know, on, on Twitter and, and interacts with his fans unlike any owner. So, if you're a Colts fan, be happy that you have an owner like this because uh, for a billionaire, what are they going to find him for that exactly? You know, it's like it's going to be a drop in the a drop in the ocean for him. So I think that it's it's uh, very concerning. I think the league, who loves its image, as you know, they're going to do everything they can to remedy this officiating situation. And hey, I think that you're going to start to see some. I, I I think you almost have to see something happen. Do I think that it's going to come in the form of making every what was the, what was what did he ask for every penalty un, uh, in, within two minutes challengeable was it yes yeah, so ursay so also in that same tweet he called for instant replay on all plays including penalties in the last two minutes of every game don't have a problem with that at all last two minutes if you want to do it throughout the entire game then it's probably okay it's a little bit obsessive where and and i know we all love football but I don't know if we want to sit there and watch six hours worth of, of, of the same game, but in the last two minutes to help ensure that a game isn't wrong at the very end by penalties, all for it, all for instant replay on all of those. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% right there with you. And I think that even if you just go at the end of this, even if you do the two minute warnings, okay, mm-hmm. even if you just don't do it after, you know, at the, within two minutes of every quarter, just do the, the at the end of the half and at the end of the game. That's usually when the biggest plays happen, you know, in close games that decide the contest at the end of it, as we just saw. So, hey, you know what? Regardless of if it's allowed or not, a lot of people actually are res- really respect Jim Mercer for doing this. And, and I think that it's uh, it's something that we all really knew. It's just nobody was saying it. And the NFL definitely didn't want anybody to. Good for good for Jim Mercer. Stats Matt with a two dollar super chat here. Thank you so much, Stats Matt. After all, after Ooh. getting pulled over and almost getting a ticket, uh, Stats Matt says we need to talk about Jonathan Taylor on Zaire Franklin's show, and so that's exactly what we are going to do. So Jonathan Taylor did make an appearance on uh, Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed's podcast called The Trenches. Um, he came on as a special guest and, and really Zaire and, and EJ speed did a really good job of, of interviewing Jonathan Taylor and allowing him to kind of talk through the, the entire situation, uh, with, with talking with the Colts, talking with, uh, uh, his agent and just really the whole, the whole process on everything. So Drake, I don't know if you got a chance to, to listen to this, um, but, Honestly, it was a really, really eye-opening conversation, and I think it really shed some light into that maybe it wasn't. I mean, I know Jonathan Taylor's agent was saying a lot of things, but at least from Jonathan Taylor's end, it wasn't as bad as it really seemed. Yeah, and you know, you also kind of, if you first off, highly recommend that everyone go watch that uh, and listen to it. 
you really learn that he, I mean, what is he going to do? Anything he would have said, regardless, would have been taken as negative. And he even said, I love the Colts fans. You know, I love the Colts community. They're, they're amazing. He's like, but some of them really went in, you know, like, I mean, it, it was, and I, I remember put, putting it out on X. I was one of the people not, I didn't go in hardcore, but I was like, Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be an Indianapolis Colt. I was like, he just does not want to do this. And I also thought he was going to get traded. None of those things happened. And um, you learn that really he just kind of let his agent do the talking. You know, a lot of people let their lawyer do the talking in a legal matter. He was just letting his agent do most of the talking. And they loved Jonathan Taylor from the entire standpoint. And he said something to the tune of like, you know, I knew I wanted to be here. I knew I wanted to stay here long term. This is a perfect fit for me. This place is perfect for what I'm trying to do. So all you need to know is Jonathan Taylor never had any ill will, any true ill will towards towards the Colts. And it wasn't even the same way back at him. A lot of it was Jim Irsay and Malky Cobble, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I, I found it really interesting how he talked about how he even thought about representing himself in this whole thing. But then once once you actually get down into the negotiations, I yeah. mean, you, you need that buffer in there because those negotiations can, if you're, if you're, if you're not careful and you don't take the personal out of it and you strictly focus and you can't strictly focus on business, those discussions can get heated. And, and honestly, I mean, you, you want to talk about the Colts and say, well, that's not how they should negotiate. That's how every team negotiates. You yep. have to pick apart those players and say, you know, he does, he doesn't, yeah, he's great, but he doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. So that way you can try to get that number down. You know, that's just how negotiating is. That's why, NFL players hire these agents be so that way they don't have to risk that 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 spoiling they can let their agents kind of go up to bat for them and and negotiate make sure they get the terms that are fair for both sides and and fair for their clients so uh, I thought it was very interesting if you haven't listened to it all uh, yet please go uh, subscribe it's called the trenches with Zaire Franklin I think is the uh, the the official title but it's zaire ej speed they talk they don't only talk to jonathan taylor but they talk through uh, uh the loss against the jacksonville jaguars they talked about uh the win against the tennessee titans in the last episode so they talk about a whole 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 range of topics and it's a and it's a funny show as well so so make sure you go give it a listen um to to kind of hear the full interview uh with jonathan taylor on that thanks a lot stats matt for your support and for bringing up that that fun talk that fun topic uh to discuss here so got a couple practice squad moves uh this guy was a little bit intriguing in my opinion drake the colts signed defensive tackle ross blacklock to the practice squad uh was a, a former second round pick out of tcu really liked his game coming out uh seemed like he was a good pass rusher uh but he's got that big body too i think he's like six foot five 307 pounds uh can really be a force in the middle so with Grover Stewart out for five more games, Eric Johnson dealing with that injury, Ross Blacklock could be a, a piece to, to help insert there in the middle of the Colts defensive line. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I know that he, he uh, I believe he was drafted by the Texans. And yes. then he played for Jacksonville as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're, you're talking about a guy who understands the AFC South. And I remember writing the breaking piece on him. This dude, like you mentioned, he's perfect for what the Colts need right now. I mean, he really is like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, I even said that if Johnson's injury sustains, 
don't be surprised if they move some things around to get him on the active roster because, I mean, he's started in the past. He's got plenty of game experience. For what the Colts need right now, they don't need a guy that's going to go out there and be Grover Stewart, all right? You need a guy that's hard to move. You need a guy that's going to plug those running gaps, and it's going to, and he's just going to give enough pressure up the middle to let some of the other faster edge rushers get to the quarterback. So I like the signing, and I think that, you know, like I said, if these injuries continue in the interior, you might see him on the active roster soon. Yeah, and I think it could be interesting, you know, add some depth to that defensive line, especially in the middle that really needs it. And then to make room for Ross Blacklock, uh, the Colts did release or uh, safety Henry Black from the practice squad. So big game on Sunday for the Indianapolis Colts. Drake going up against a struggling Saints team. They really, in my opinion, need to get this win if they want to give themselves some momentum uh, to start the second half of the year. If not, the Colts are staring at three and five and really any chance that they might have to to make something out of this season uh, might be slowly dwindling away. So I know the Colts are going to come out firing and I think it's going to be a really fun contest between these two teams. Yeah. And, you know, hey, they all not only do they want to get their fourth one of the season, but I mean, let's see. Oh, and one, oh, and two, one and two, one and three. They're one and three at home. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that's twenty five percent at at your own place. You know, as they've done better on the road than they have at home. So I, I really think that this is a big game for the Colts and, and guys like Michael Pittman, guys like Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, the just after what happened with the, the the defensive penalties last week, I think this is a team that is ready to kick some ass, and I think that they're angry. Well said. And that's our show for tonight, guys. Really, really appreciate everybody tuning in and talking some Colts football with us on this Thursday night. Shout out to all of our super chats from this evening. Uh, Shout out to Truett, beautiful wife, Danielle, Brandon Moses, who's going to be a father tomorrow. Uh, So send congrats to him, the CFO, Patrick Rye, and then the third co-host of the show, Stats Matt. Thank you all so much for all of your super chats and, and everybody else that came on tonight and helped support us and and talk some talk some Colts football. It's always a lot of fun. If you haven't done so, please go follow us on all of our socials. Like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook, follow at Colts on FN on X, and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live, whenever Shad goes live with the Saddle Up show, and also hit that like button on this video if you enjoyed tonight's episode. And if you can't catch us live or on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well so make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review drake i know you've been writing away for horseshoehuddle.com like we all have been tell the people what they can go check out that you've written i just did a little piece on uh shane steichen announcing that jelani woods is trending toward a return uh so go check that out if you're interested in learning a little more and then my three offensive keys to the colts beating the saints that's out and then tomorrow i will have the defensive keys as well make sure you go check those those out on the site for myself Michael Pittman Jr. He came out yesterday and cleared up his comments. So I dug into those, dug into the real reason he made those comments and what we could be seeing ahead from number 11. So make sure you check that out. Oh, yeah. And then I want to give you guys a preview. Uh, Omaha Productions. Uh, ever heard of him? Peyton Manning's production company is coming out with a uh, an episode of Peyton's Places this weekend. Uh, 
all about Indianapolis. Pat McAfee is going to be on the show. And Omaha Productions reached out to me to, to get a little sneak peek at what that episode is going to be about. So Ooh. make sure you check out horseyouhuddle.com on Sunday morning for my recap of the episode. And, and just to give you a little bit of a taste of what that episode is going to be about. And I tell you what, I've already watched it. It's definitely a good one. So go follow Drake at D Walster Drake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL, and we will be back Monday night to break down the Colts against the saints and everything in between. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll be seeing you Monday night.